morning, Mr. Phelps. Don't say it's a fine morning or I'll shoot you. Habiti Mawidis. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am GamerDude. Welcome back for some more stories. This week we're going to talk about air travel, flying, leaving on a jet plane, getting up in the air and going from one place to another. Now this week's episode is inspired by a recent trip that Mrs. GamerDude and I took and it reminded me of how difficult air travel is these days. So what I want to talk about today is first how bad it is now because it's horrible. Air travel is horrible these days compared to the way that it was when I was younger. Back in the day, you could hop on a plane and go. Nowadays, it's a project. You have to set out a day for travel out and a day for travel back because it's just such an ordeal. So let me start by talking about the most recent trip, which really exemplifies how difficult air travel is and how much of a racket it really is. Now, for a lot of you, this will be familiar, but this is the only thing you've ever known. But it didn't used to be this way. We booked a trip to Florida, traveling from New Jersey to Florida. And I've gotten used to hopping on Expedia and looking for the best fares. But you can't confine your search to Expedia if you want to include all of the airlines. For instance, Southwest Air, you have to go on their website and look at their fares. They don't go on Expedia. By the way, Southwest is a great way to fly if they're going where you want to go. I highly recommend Southwest. But I'm not trying to endorse any particular airline, although Southwest is a good way to go. But for this particular trip, I didn't use Southwest, and I wound up on Expedia. And if you've ever been on Expedia, you know what they do. They give you a rundown of all of the flights that are available, all of the airlines that are available. One of the nice things that they do is if you pick a, if you pick a departing time and a returning time, you're not necessarily confined to the same airline, which is kind of nice. You have a little more flexibility in times that way. So we book our outward bound trip on American. Now, American Airlines has been around forever. I'm familiar with them. I've flown on them before. And the price wars these days have all of the airlines competing with different ways to get you to fly them, but at the same time, maximize their profits. And what I mean by that is this. It used to be that you could fly an airline and bring whatever luggage you needed to bring with you, and it was all part of the ticket. It was all included. There was no baggage fee. There was no carry-on fee. There were no hidden fees or extra charges. You'd get on a plane, you'd bring your bags, and you'd go. But somewhere along the line, someone got it in their heads that, hey, if we reduce our fares but charge for bags, we can squeeze a few more dollars out of these folks. Well, it's not actually a few more dollars. It's between 30 and 60 bucks a bag, depending on the airline, which is kind of crazy. Because you don't get any benefit from it, except the fact that you get to bring your clothes with you. But all right, we're expecting bag charges now on most of the airlines. By the way, Southwest doesn't charge for bags. You can actually bring two bags with you for free, just so you know. The other thing that they've started to do is charge you for seats. So you can get a basic ticket, or you can get an upgraded ticket. Now, one airline that's handling that in a nice way, and I'm going to talk about them at the very end of the episode, is Spirit Air. You may have heard horror stories about Spirit. Spirit is a pretty good deal, but I'll talk about them later. Right now, I'm talking about the trip on American on the way out. Because what American did is what a lot of the airlines are doing. They said, when I booked the ticket, you may not pick your seats, which is fine. I'm used to that. I've bought tickets before, and you don't get to pick your seats. Generally, 
if I've purchased two tickets, the two tickets are next to each other on the plane, somewhere on the plane. You don't get to pick where they are, but they're somewhere on the plane, which is a good thing. You buy plane tickets, you expect them to be somewhere on the plane. But what I discovered during the check-in process and checking in these days, you go on the computer, you type in your confirmation code and let them know 24 hours before the flight that you're indeed going on the flight. And in the past, I've been able to confirm what our seats were during the check-in process. American didn't let me do this. Okay, let me rephrase that. They let me do it, but they don't give you any option to choose any seats, which I understand because I bought a ticket that said you can't pick your seats. Okay, I'm fine with that. But when they confirmed our seats on this flight, they confirmed two seats not anywhere near each other, 16A and 16F. Now, if you know anything about planes, you know there are six seats in a row. ABC is usually on the right side as you're walking down towards the back of the plane, and D, E, and F are on the left side as you're walking down the aisle towards the back of the plane. Those are the only two seats they said that we had in the confirmation process. And 16A is on the window on one side of the plane, and 16F is on the window on the other side of the plane. Now, I've bought restricted airfare before, and I've bought tickets for years on Expedia. And I'm familiar with the concept of not being able to pick your seats. But there's a difference between not being able to pick your seats when you're assigned two seats in an area of the plane that you might not like, like the back or on the wing or wherever it is. I get that people don't like to sit in certain spots of the plane. I understand that. But this was something more. This was not two seats assigned together in an undesirable area of the plane. There was something insidious going on here. They assigned two seats to two people who purchased tickets at the same time, randomly in the plane, and separated them. Now, in the past, I've purchased seats. And when you purchase tickets, they usually take two seats next to each other somewhere on the plane. Whether it's the last row, which is usually row 30 or 31, or somewhere towards the front, they sell two tickets together, and you have two seats together. I don't care if I can't pick my seats, but if I'm traveling with somebody, I do like to travel with that somebody. In this case, Mrs. Gamerdude and I, we kind of like each other, so we wanted to sit together on the plane on the way down. But all we had on our confirmation was 16A and 16F. It's as if they spun the wheel of seating and randomly assigned seats to us. Now, what sense does that make, really? You sell two tickets at the same time, you look at the plane, and you work your way from the back to the front, and you go, okay, 30A, 30B, 30C, 30D, 30E, 30F. There's a pair of seats, two tickets together, boom, next row. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? That's logical, but that's not what they did. Instead, they'd give us two seats in the same row, but on opposite sides of the plane. It's like they were teasing us. Okay, you have two seats in the same row, but you have to wave to each other across the plane. Hi, honey, how are you? I'm okay, how are you? I mean, is that what they expect? So during the check-in process, I went to see what other seats are available. There were first-class seats available, which are ridiculously out of our price range, so we didn't even consider those. And the only other seats they gave us an option for were exit row seats which cost $60 per person to change. So if we wanted to go from 16A to 16F and move up just a couple of rows to sit next to each other, our airfare increases by $120 one way. And I said, nah, we're not doing that. We'll just figure it out when we get to the airport. So we get to the airport the next morning. 
We go up to the counter, and the lady at the counter says, oh, yeah, you bought tickets where you can't pick your seats. And I said to her, I'm not asking to pick my seats. I'm just asking if there are two seats together that you can pick for us. And she said, no. And I said, you don't have two seats next to each other anywhere in the plane. Well, yes, we do in the exit row, sir. It's going to be $60 a piece to change to the exit row. And he said, I don't want to pick the exit row. I'm just asking if you have two seats together. No, but you can pick the exit row, sir. And I said, nah. Well, actually, Mrs. Gamerdude said, nah. I would have done it because I like sitting next to Mrs. Gamerdude, but she said, we're not spending $120 to sit next to each other. We'll get there at the same time. We'll just wave. And I said, honey, I love you. (laughs) But that's her mentality, too. She doesn't like being taken advantage of by the airlines. And that's what they were doing. Because you know that they do this. You know that they're doing this on purpose. They're randomly assigning you a seat. And the same time you buy two tickets, they're randomly assigning the other seat to a seat as far away from you or tantalizingly close to you. So that you're almost together, but if you want to sit next to each other, you have to pay the extra money. And it's not like I could pick seat 16E, because that had already been filled too. Now, Mrs. Gamer Dude's philosophy was, well, we'll just ask the people on the plane. We'll just switch when we get on the plane. And I said, honey, you know they sat four people next to each other in the middle between us. It's not going to happen. I said, we'll get down to the check-in counter. We'll go to the gate. We'll check in down there. We'll see what they say. So we're sitting down at the gate waiting for the personnel to arrive. And finally, somebody comes to the counter at the gate. And I go up to the counter and I ask the lady, look, I know that we have tickets where we can't pick our seats, but can you select two seats together so that we can sit together? And she said, well, we have some seats together. They're in the back of the plane, row 30. And I said, that's fine. We just like two seats together. We don't care where they are. Just next to each other would be nice. We can do that, sir, but it's going to be $17 per person. Now, I don't know why the lady at the gate knew about these two seats in the back of the plane where the lady at the check-in counter didn't know, but okay, that's fine. And $17 a person isn't a huge hit, it's just an annoying hit. And it's part of the way that the airlines get you now. They throw a dartboard at the picture of the plane, assign you seats based on where the darts land, and then leave it to you to pay them extra money if you want to sit next to each other. And it's so freaking annoying because it's part of a scheme that they pretend they're not doing because there's no other explanation for it. And I think that's what makes me crazy about it. So because I love my wife, I paid the extra $17 a seat And we sat next to each other in the back of the plane. But I was not happy with American Airlines. And it reminded me of the way travel used to be. Now, I know that we have security measures. And the security measures are completely unnecessary the way they're implemented now. I could go on a rant about that. But I'm I'm going to hold my thoughts on that for the time being. Because this is about the airline travel itself. The security measures, I understand why you want to have security. I get that. The extremes to which they have taken it is is enough to fill another episode of the podcast, so I'll hold off on that. But taking the security out of the equation, air travel used to be an easy, comfortable, quick way to get from point A to point B. Now, you have to take yourself back in time a little bit. You have to go back to pre-internet. That's how long I've been flying. No, I did not fly with the Wright brothers, but I have been flying for a while. And it used to be you would call up an airline and you'd ask them, Do you fly from A to B? 
And if they did, you'd find out the schedule and you'd find out the fare. And then you'd call up another airline. And all of the airlines had 800 numbers and they would all talk to you on the phone and you'd get your plane fares and your schedules that way. And air travel used to be really expensive. It used to be really expensive. Until about the mid-1980s when an airline came along called People's Express. People's Express was a no-frills airline. They saw the way things were. They saw how expensive it was. They saw how much people were being charged for just a seat on a plane and a bag of peanuts and a semi-cold soda. And People Express came along and they bought some old planes and they rented out space at Newark Airport and they launched their airline. People Express was the original no-frills airline. Literally no-frills. You bought a seat and that was it. You could bring your bags, you could bring your carry-ons, but if you wanted to snack or drink on the plane... You had to bring it with you. And I remember traveling People Express. And I remember people bringing their bag lunches on and their flasks of soda or whatever else they were bringing in their flasks. But it was an efficient and inexpensive way to travel. They didn't have a lot of stuff going on. There were no movies on the plane. There were no drink carts. It was hop on the plane, get from point A to point B. Now, when they first started out, they had locations at the North Terminal at Newark Airport. For those who are unfamiliar with Newark, Newark is a huge airport now, and it's been slowly growing over the decades. They used to have just one terminal, the North Terminal, and they've since expanded and expanded and expanded and expanded. But the North Terminal was in existence in the 1980s. It had just stopped being used as a passenger terminal because it was a dated terminal. People Express brought it back to life. So you would drive up to the North Terminal. There was actually parking right in front of the terminal. It wasn't one of those huge parking garages where you could get lost going from level to level looking for a spot. You would literally drive to the airport, park in the lot, grab your bags, walk in the front door, and the counters were right there. And they were very friendly. They were very nice. And you could go to the airport, purchase your ticket right there at the counter, walk around behind the counter, and get on the plane. And the fares were incredibly inexpensive. I was living in New Jersey at the time, but I still had friends in Ohio. So I wanted to go visit my friends in Ohio. And for me, the quickest, easiest trip was Newark to Columbus. It was a straight, nonstop flight. And I would fly from Newark to Columbus for $39 round trip. And for my $39 round trip, it guaranteed me a seat. It guaranteed me my baggage. And it guaranteed me that I could get there and back in about two hours each way. And there were times where I made this trip, like catching a bus. I'd be working late on a Friday. I wanted to go out to Ohio for a weekend. So I'd finish work. I'd get done at four o'clock. I'd hop in the car, go straight out to Newark, park the car, grab my suitcase out of the back, get to the counter, check in at 6.30 for a seven o'clock flight, hustle through the terminal, get to the gate and get in the air by seven o'clock. It was great. It was just So smooth, so simple, so easy. I'd grab a soda at the soda machine on the way into the terminal, throw it in my carry-on, maybe have a candy bar or a bagel or whatever, pull out my tray table, have my little snack on my way to Columbus. These days, you have to get to the airport between an hour and two hours before your flight takes off. Back in the day, I could drive up, literally run to the gate five minutes before the plane took off and still make it. It was such a pleasant way to travel. Nowadays, the security measures, which, by the way, are crazy. I said I wasn't going to talk about them, but I do have to mention the shoe thing, the computer thing. It's a little bit crazy. 
But whatever. There was screening back in the 80s. Don't get me wrong. They had screening. They had x-ray bags. They had people at the gates. There were ways that they checked to make sure that you weren't trying to smuggle things onto the plane. There were ways to check to make sure you weren't trying to bring weaponry onto the plane. And I don't have a problem with stepped-up security. It's insanely stepped-up security that I have a problem with. But it's not even that big a problem. It's just that it has taken so much of the pleasure out of travel anymore. If you had a two-hour flight from Newark to Columbus, you could plan on spending four hours tops on the whole thing. You'd have to drive to the airport, which would maybe take an hour. At the airport, you'd have a half hour of checking in, leisurely strolling down to the gate, climbing onto the plane and taking off. Then at the other end, a half hour maybe to collect your bag, get a rental car, and you would be in and out of the airport in a reasonable amount of time. And it wouldn't take all day. By comparison, when we were returning from Florida to New Jersey on our recent trip, not counting the travel time to the airport, we entered the airport at about 12.15. By the time we cleared security, checked in at the counter, got our bags checked, and found a seat near the gate, it was an hour and 40 minutes later. An hour and 40 minutes later is more than half the time that it took to fly from Florida to New Jersey. I used to love to go places because it was easy to get to them. Nowadays, it's not. And it's so frustrating. You can do stepped-up security without sucking the joy out of air travel. But too many people just go, eh, you know, it's what we have to deal with these days. I guess it is. It just is not something that I'm particularly happy with. And I will never forget how easy it used to be. I told you I was going to mention Spirit Air at the end of the episode. I want to tell you about Spirit Air. Spirit Air is the spiritual successor to People's Express. There's pluses and minuses with Spirit Air, but I'm going to recommend them to you, and here's why. They make no secret of the fact that they're charging you for everything. If you want to pick any seat on the plane, you can do so. It's just going to cost you. If you want to bring a carry-on, you can do so. It's just going to cost you. You want to bring a couple of bags? Please feel free, but each bag is going to cost you. But Spirit Air tickets are significantly less in most cases from any other airline. You're going to incur fees if you want to add on things like seat choice and extra bags that you want to bring with you. But at least they're upfront about it. They don't spin the wheel of seating and randomly assign you to seats in the plane and then charge you more to get seats together. They tell you straight up front, here's two tickets. You want to sit next to each other? You better pick seats next to each other and it's going to cost you. Now, the cost of those seats is not expensive depending on where you pick. You can pick the back row for a buck a piece. You want an exit row? It's going to cost you 10 bucks a piece. Exit rows, by the way, perfect seats if you want a little extra leg room. But here's the secret deal of the day. If you fly Spirit Air... They have something called the big front seat. There's no first class on Spirit Air, but they have two rows of really comfy, really wide seats that only cost you about 40 bucks a piece depending on where you're going. It is so worth it. We flew Spirit Air on the way back from Florida, and I checked in beforehand, and I'd done some research to find out, well, what's the deal with Spirit? What do I have to know? Every review that I read said that the big front seat on Spirit is the best value in air travel these days. And I said, all right, let's give it a try. It is the best value in air travel these days. Oh my God, it is so comfortable. 
So much legroom. The other thing that I did was I joined their $9 club. It's not really $9 for anything. They just call it $9 club. I think it's because they charge you $9 a month for it. But by joining the $9 club, the cost of our carry-on, the cost of our baggage was significantly less than you'd pay at the gate. It gives you options on getting first in line in those zone check-ins that they do, zone A, zone B, zone C. And you get to go on their website and pick whatever seat you want. If you're considering air travel, definitely consider Spirit Air. Not because they're that much better than anybody else, but I admire them because they're upfront. They pull no punches. They say, we got cheap tickets here. You want a little extra? It's going to cost you. That I can respect. So I apologize for being a little ranty this episode, but it's still so fresh in my head what the airlines did to us. But it was a nice trip because I got to compare the shadiness of American air versus the upfrontedness of Spirit Air. And I prefer, if you're gonna hit me in the face, let me know it's coming. Don't come from behind and hit me in the back of the head. Let me know that you're gonna punch me in the face so I can brace myself for it. And at least Spirit Air does that. So I thank them for that. That's gonna do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. As always, I can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.